to the Ideal Nutrition Podcast. I am Leah Heigl and I'm here with my co-host Aiden Muir and our topic of the day is what is a good calorie surplus size for muscle gain? So it's definitely possible to gain muscle without a calorie surplus, particularly under circumstances where somebody is like newer to training, maybe has really good genetics, their recovery is on point, they've got a great training program, all these things kind of like falling into place for them to be able to do that. But we know the way to optimize muscle building and muscle growth is absolutely through a calorie surplus. So the reason why a small calorie surplus is actually beneficial is because building muscle is a very energy intensive process. So it's super energy intensive. So if you don't have any extra calories that aren't already being used up through kind of normal bodily processes and your daily activity, like what are you actually going to use to build that muscle? You don't really have anything left. So at the end of the day, calorie surplus is 100% the way to go if you're wanting to optimize muscle building. Yeah. So then knowing that that's the way to go to optimize muscle building, the next question is obviously how large should it be? What's the downside of going too large and the downside of going too small? Too small is easy. You just gain muscle slower than, than you ideally would be able to. So that, that's obvious. Too large is also obvious in a way in that it's like we know muscle building is a slow process. And if you're in a large calorie surplus, you're gaining weight quickly. If muscle building is a slow process and you're gaining weight quickly, and it's not all muscle, you're gaining a lot of body fat basically. And now in amongst that nuance, we're trying to find out like what, what is the ideal kind of calorie surplus size based on that way of thinking. And it's typically going to be this nice sweet spot where you're gaining muscle relatively efficiently and you're minimizing body fat gain. If you gained no body fat, you probably could have done it a little bit quicker and gained muscle a little bit quicker. Um, Even if you don't necessarily care about gaining body fat, it's arguably still inefficient to make it too large because otherwise you might just have to either stop bulking, massing, whatever you'd want to call it, you'd have to stop that calorie surplus phase sooner or you'd have to start cutting sooner and you just spend less time in a calorie surplus, which we know is obviously the way to optimize muscle growth. So on this topic, a study I often talk about is a study was based on college athletes and they got one group to go into a specified 500 calorie surplus And the other group, they just told to eat ad libitum as much as they wanted to, but try and eat in a surplus, basically. And the group in the 500 calorie surplus gained about just over double the body weight of what the ad libitum group did. They gained a tiny bit more lean mass, but they gained so much more body fat. And these these were athletes, so they were college athletes. They weren't exactly like following bodybuilding style programs, but they were in an off season trying to gain muscle mass. And that therefore tells you that for somebody who's decently well-trained and has their life set up for this, like they're getting probably getting good sleep, their stress is decent, like they're college athletes, like they're trying to do the best they can for this purpose, they still gain heaps of body fat in a 500-calorie surplus. So like once you're relatively well-trained, even a 500-calorie surplus is probably too big. I feel like it's also where a lot of people start though. People are like, oh yeah, 500-calorie deficit is kind of the go-to, so a 500-calorie surplus is also kind of people's go-to. Yeah. But unless you're really new to training or have like a low level of muscle mass already, it's probably too much for most people, yeah. I'd say. I'd agree because based on some some pretty poor calculations, I'll explain why these calculations are poor later, but like 
or we will explain. I'm not sure which one of us is going to explain it, but we're going to explain <laughs> why it's pretty poor later. But like theoretically, a 500 calorie surplus, if it all went 100% to being stored as, say, body fat, would be 25 kilos weight gain per year if you did it over the entire year and your energy expenditure didn't change. And obviously we know your energy expenditure does change. There's a lot of things that go on, but it's kind of like, well, we know we can't easily gain anywhere near 25 kilos of muscle. Um, it, it's safe to say that it's likely to do that. But like similarly to you, like I, I hear a lot of people talking about 500 calorie surplus is a good starting point. And that was one of my intros, like bodybuilding.com. They talked yeah. about 500 calorie surplus being the, the gold standard. And I, I would agree it's actually probably a gold standard for people who are pretty new to, to lifting weights and are really focused on lifting weights and trying to set their life up to optimise muscle gain. But once you pass that initial stage, it's probably a bit too quick. Yeah. Moving on to kind of that energy expenditure part of it, I just want to add a little caveat around that. Um, so we know that in a calorie surplus there is probably going to be increases in most people's energy expenditure. So this does happen to a different degree in different people. But when your body has access to more energy, it's likely to burn more calories through things like the thermic, thermic effect of food. So if you're eating more, you're going to be burning more calories through just digesting food. And um, potentially there's increases in like planned and incidental activities. So if you're just generally more energetic because you're having more calories come in, you might be working harder in training, training more often, taking the stairs, doing all those little things that you have more energy to do. Um, there may also be an increase in your basal metabolic rate due to metabolic adaption. Um, another thing that we have talked about on this podcast a few times, um, and we know if you're in a calorie deficit, your BMR tends to decrease, vice versa. When you're in a surplus, your BMR, your basal metabolic rate, metabolism, will increase to kind of offset some of that calorie surplus. Um, and that's that has a lot of variability person to person. Um, and then you've also got kind of your changes in body composition and the calories that are burnt through producing more muscle mass. So I'd say there's definitely more calories burnt producing muscle mass than there is producing body fat. So that's something to be accounted for as well. So generally your energy expenditure is going to increase to offset some of that surplus. Um, so yeah, just a little thing to kind of add in there. Yeah, for sure. And that, that it does make it like interesting because those things are pretty variable. And like sometimes when I say things like, oh yeah, 500 calorie surplus is likely too big. What if you happen to be like a hyper responder in terms of changes in your energy expenditure? Maybe 500 calorie surplus isn't isn't too too big of a deal. Hey, like maybe it works out yeah. to being a smaller surplus in practice if you think about it. Yeah, I guess like the theoretical surplus is going to be different to the yeah. practical surplus. Yeah. And I've definitely had those high responders where I've given them what I thought was a pretty decent surplus and then they had some, yeah, like initial weight gain and then just like peed it out. And I was yeah. like, oh, damn, I'm going to have to give this person more food because they just ended up burning more energy. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, and that is also why I do reference that study before. Where it's like, hey, in that study, the actual theoretical surplus, like they gained heaps of body fat in 500. Yeah. <laughs> but there are there are people outside of that, obviously. And like digging really deep on this topic, because it's like, hey, it'd be cool to kind of measure this to a certain degree. There is one study where they overfed participants by 1,000 calories per day, six days of the week for a 100-day period to see what actually happened to their changes in energy expenditure and how they actually affected their weight gain and stuff like that. And over the course of this 100-day period, the range of change in weight gain 
was 4.3 kilos gained at the lowest all the way through to 13.3 kilos gained at the highest. <laughs> Such a crazy range. Yeah, like you, you'd assume that most people would respond relatively similarly in terms of weight gain based on the theoretical calorie surplus, but this is very individual. And like a lot of people like look at this and try and be like, oh no, the calories in, calories out model is broken. <laughs> but it's like, <laughs> no, this is factored in. Like the yeah. calories out portion changes based on the calories in yeah. and that's an individual thing as well. So the next study that I'm going to touch on is like, I don't think it's great podcast content, but it's kind of like if somebody's like interested in looking to this topic a lot, probably like the pinnacle, like the peak study that's really worth reading is there's a study titled, is an energy surplus required to maximize skeletal muscle hypertrophy associated with resistance training? Um, and it's got like a lot of heavy hitters like Gary Slater, Eric Helms, and a few other people on there. And like, from my perspective, it's a funny title because it's like it came out like I don't have it in front of me, but I think it came out in like 2019 or something like that. I'm like 2019. Like we know, we know it is required to maximize muscle hypertrophy. We don't need a study title that to tell us that. But what the actual study was really, really interesting was it was like really trying to pinpoint actual numbers of like the energy costs associated with building muscle, explaining the changes in NEAT and like or non-exercise adaptive thermogenesis, thermic effect of food, all of those kind of things. There's very few practical takeaways in that study. It's very theoretical. Like it's trying to like really science this kind of topic and make it more complex than it needs to be. Like I've said it before, I don't exactly view myself as a bro scientist, but like I read that and I'm like, I don't know, I just want to lift some weights and eat some food. Like it's not this hard. Um, but their, their recommendation based on going through all the science was to start with a 300 to 500 calorie per day surplus, monitor body composition from there and make adjustments over time. If going for that 300 to 500 calorie range, you gained body fat too quickly, you just decrease the surplus. Like, like it's once again, it's it's not that hard. You just decrease the surplus. If you weren't gaining at all, you're gaining very slowly. You just had more calories. Mm -hmm. Where you start doesn't really matter. It's not it's not that important. It's how you adjust things over time so that you're consistently gaining muscle at a rate that you want to be doing ideally um, while limiting body fat gains. Yeah, generally when I'm trying to work this out, I, I don't really put too much thought into what's the size of the surplus because I know obviously like it's going to practically change like as energy increases. So I think about what's the rate I want this person to gain muscle. Yeah. I'll pick a number that I think like theoretically sounds yeah. pretty good and then we'll adjust based on what actually happens to their weight over time rather than worrying about oh, they're on a specific 300 calorie surplus. Exactly. Like I think people put too much of an emphasis on those kinds of numbers. Yeah, exactly. I completely agree. And that's how I work it too, particularly once the numbers start getting smaller as well. Because if I've just like a oh, 500 calorie deficit, sorry, calorie surplus is probably too big. What happens if you're like at the point where you're forever chasing that last one to two kilos of muscle? Like you've got to go quite slow. And it's like, are we like... Yeah, like we'll actually talk about that. So like practical takeaways, I guess, in terms of how we view it. Like the way I view it is for beginners, probably one to two kilos per month, which theoretically is a 250 to 500 calorie surplus before factoring in these changes in energy expenditure. Intermediates, 0 0.5 to one kilo per month. And then advanced when you're forever chasing that tiny amount of muscle growth, you're looking at like 0 0.2 to 0 0.5 kilos per month. I've categorized it like that, but... That's under the assumption that like 
you don't get injured or like you you're really focusing everything on trying to gain muscle you're trying to sleep or you're trying to minimize stress you're eating good protein you're on a good training program and all those kind of things and the further away from that you get the more you shift it like if you were somebody who was technically a beginner but you only lift weights twice per week you live a stressful life and you don't get much sleep I'd probably go towards the intermediate slash You don't advanced. want to be gaining two kilos a month. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's not going to end well. Um, so, like, shifting between those. But, like, if we're talking about, like, the mathematics on it being, like, okay, 0.2 to 0.5 kilos per month, like half a kilo per month, like, we're looking at technically a theoretical 50 to 125 calorie surplus. And it's, like, it's not even, like, we can't predict our energy expenditure that accurately to the point that we're down, down to that level of specificity. That's why it makes sense to focus on the actual outcome in terms of weight gain yeah and just adjust around what is actually happening on the scales rather than worrying too much about the calories coming yeah. in that specific number yeah um, and i find most people tend to like the people that i work with tend to sit around that like half a kilo per month is good for them because mm. usually like they're either an intermediate athlete um or they're a beginner athlete who well somewhat beginner but they're not training that much and they're not like recovering the best they can so yeah i find that uh that middle ground is good for most most people yeah yeah for sure and like the other thing like it's a complicated topic but like a lot of people will come to me and be like oh, i don't care about scale weight i don't care about how i look and like that's true like that's what we're working towards yeah. like or like look performance whatever you want to call it that's what we're working towards but like the scale weight to a certain degree once you average it out and everything like that you're not looking day to day you're looking at the average over weeks months whatever can inform other stuff because it's like say we care about body composition if you gain five kilos in a month for example because you don't care about the scale weight or whatever like we know that's not going to be muscle <laughs> like it's it's yeah. enough to inform it's one piece of the puzzle in terms of gathering information basically and usually people don't want to be gaining too much body fat so it's a good yeah. data point to just track and adjust around yeah exactly and you can also like if you if you do measure body composition in some way shape or form you can then use that for future like if somebody gains 10 kilos of mass over a six-month period and they measure their body composition and they gain more body fat than they wanted, next time they might be like, okay, next time I do a massing phase, I'll only gain five kilos over a six-month period. So I love pre and post DEXA scans. Exactly. They can tell you so much about exact, like what percentage of it was body fat gain and yeah. muscle mass gain and that can be really good to plan like your own individual um, bulking periods. Exactly. Next. This has been episode 40 of the Ideal Nutrition Podcast. Thank you for tuning in.